Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Let's read John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14, and then we'll go to Hebrews 2, and then maybe Ephesians 1. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14, and then we'll go to Hebrews 2. This is John written by St. John, or the youngest of all the disciples, the only disciple. that He lived the longest and didn't die actually as a martyr. that They tried to kill him, but this is beautiful. In the beginning was the what? What does that, what does word not mean there? It doesn't mean Bible. It didn't say, it doesn't say, it's not saying in the beginning was a Bible. Thank God for the scripture, but that's not what he's saying. In the beginning was the word. Who is word there? Word is Jesus. He's Logos, right? In the beginning was the word, think Jesus, and the word, not Bible, was with God. It's not like God said, even I have my Bible. Imagine how thick that would be. Anyway, so, so in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word what? That is absolutely huge right there. Verse 14, so 13 verses later, now, this makes sense. And the word, not Bible, but and the word became what? Flesh. That's even, that's even more weightier than saying it became human. The word became flesh and he lived among us. And John says, we actually saw his glory, right? And it was like the glory of the only begotten of the father. Jesus is the only begotten of the father. Everybody say this. Jesus wasn't created. He's the only begotten of the Father. Not created, but the only begotten of the Father. And he was full of what? Grace and truth. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. He says this. It was fitting or right or proper for him, the Father, for whom all things are made, which is the Son or the Word, and by whom all things are made, which is the Son of God or the Word of God. John chapter 1, verse 2 says, For all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. This same person for whom all things are made, For who? The word, which is Jesus. And by whom all things are made? The word or Jesus. It was fitting for this Jesus or this word. Watch this. To bring many sons to glory. What many sons? The same sons that fell in Adam's fall. So how many does Jesus bring back to glory? The same ones that fell. I want you to see this. In bringing many sons back to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Okay? For both the one who sanctifies, that's Jesus, and those who are being sanctified are all one. That's us. For which reason now, Jesus or God in general, the Trinity, is no longer ashamed to call us what? Aren't you glad that God's not ashamed to call you brethren? Next verse. He quotes the psalmist here. In the psalmist, they said it this way in the psalms. I will declare your name to my brethren. Jesus declared the name or the love of the Father to us. In the midst of the assembly, he says, I'll sing praise to you. 
And again, he says, I'll put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I in the children whom God has given me. This is Jesus saying, God, I'm here with all of the sons that you've given me. By the way, when you read son, you also got to read this daughter. It's, it's all the same. Right. Okay. Now I want you to see this. Boy, if you got a Bible you can't write in, get rid of it and get one you can and underline this next statement. Inasmuch then as the children, say that's you and I, as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, he himself, meaning the word, the logos, Jesus, he himself likewise shared in the same flesh and blood. He became like Adam. Okay. Why? That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is who? Now, real quick. Did Jesus die? So Jesus, through death, destroyed him who had the power of death. So for everybody that say you're fighting the devil, I just want to tell you something. You might be fighting something. But Satan has been, according to Paul, disarmed and defeated. Jesus destroyed him. Okay, just want to make that really clear. And Jesus now releases those who through or had the fear of death all their lifetime were in bondage because of it. I'm going to tell you something. You no longer have to be afraid of dying. In America, we will get that one day. My mother passed in, in November. Trust me, she's way better off now. Like, legit. I mean, we weep, yes, but I'm just telling you, we don't have to fear death. Church history says many of the fathers, many of the people of faith that died in Christ would sing on their way, knowing they're fixing to be martyred. But they saw something we didn't see. For indeed, he does not, the father does not give aid to angels as if they needed help, but he does give help to the seed of Abraham. Watch this. Therefore, in all things, he, meaning Jesus or the word, had to be made like us humans, his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's now able to help those who are being tempted. Let me read Ephesians chapter 1. And then we'll hit two and four. I know this is a lot of Bible, but some of us don't read the Bible at home. We're going to make up for it today. In Jesus' name. This is good stuff. Paul said, this is my prayer. I pray that the eyes of your understanding will be what? Enlightened. Because I want you to know what is the hope of this calling. And what are the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints? Did you know that you're God's inheritance? I love telling my wife, you get me. God says, I get you. Next verse. And he says, I want you to know what the exceeding greatness of God's power toward us is who believe. It's in accordance to the working of his mighty power. Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised, everybody say raised, raised him from the dead and seated Christ or the word at his what? Right hand. Where did he seat him? Where did he seat him? So where is heavenly places located? At the, the right hand of God. Okay, next verse. He tells you where it's located. Now let me tell you what it's better than. And it is far above all what? 
principality, far above all power, far above all might, far above all dominion, and it's above every name that's ever been named. And he said, just in case you don't, you don't get this, not only in this age, but also in the age that is to come. And he has put all things under his feet. Everybody say, his is Jesus. So all the, the power, might, dominion, names, all that stuff, he said, that's under Jesus' feet. You could say it this way. That is the highest part of hell, if you want to use that verbiage. But the highest part of hell is under the lowest part of Jesus, and that's his feet. If I could throw that speaker, I would, because that's really good. And he gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church. Watch it now. Next verse. The church, which is what? His body which is the fullness of him who fills all in all. You can't show me something that God hasn't filled, right? That the church is the body of Jesus, and Jesus is the head of the church, and all power, might, dominion, and names, all of hell is up under the feet of Jesus, but the church is the body of Jesus, and feet are part of the body, then if it's under the feet of Jesus, it's under you. You ain't heard nothing that good in a long time. Listen. Next verse. What I tell you? Yep, we can go to chapter two and look at four and seven. You, I mean, all of Ephesians is beautiful. It's it's a preacher's playground. So chapter one says God raised up Jesus and seated Jesus at His own right hand. I want you to see this. He says, "But God." who is rich in not money, but mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ. And he says this by grace, you've been saved. So, so when did you get saved when you were dead? We, 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 we treat salvation as if we did something to get it. Well, I, well, at least I prayed. You did. Your prayer doesn't save you. That's by works. No, no, no. Even when you were dead in trespasses and sins, you were made alive. Now watch this. And he said, go back to verse 5. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, we were made alive together. Everybody say, made alive together. Now watch the next one. Next verse. And raise what? Up to get, understand, nothing happens in our faith outside of Jesus. It is all because of Jesus made alive together with Jesus, raised up together with Jesus, and made to what? With Jesus in the where? Where's that located? (laughs) In Christ Jesus. Next verse. And this is why he does this. This is why God, I don't even know what this means, but this is so good. Why did you do all this, God? So that in the ages, not age, but in the ages to come, I will get to show you the exceeding riches of my grace and kindness toward you that's always been in my son. Do you know the Bible says in a single moment that Satan took Jesus on a high mountain in Jerusalem and it showed him all the glory of the earth in a moment? You can see the best the earth has to offer in one moment. But how long is it going to take for Yahweh, our loving father, to show us everything he's done for us in Christ? He said it's going to take all the ages to come. 
Let me read the last one, 1 John 3, 8, and we're done. We're going to talk for a few minutes, and then we'll go home. I want to see what my wife is wearing when I get home. I hope you love your spouse, man. I'm telling you something. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He who sins is of the what? Devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Listen to this. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Father, let your word speak to us today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say the ascension. Come on, one more time. Say the ascension. Now, I'm going to read one Uh, more passage to you. I don't think I gave this to Katie. This is Acts chapter 1. I'm starting at verse 9. It says this. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead, after the great commission. They asked Jesus, you know, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel this time? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has put in his own power. He says, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit come upon you and you'll be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the earth. And they're like, amazing. And while he's talking with them, he does this. Now, he doesn't like move his arms like this, like I'm doing, but he literally starts floating. And they're sitting there like, what? I've never, I mean, I've seen him walk on water and multiply matter fish and bread and pull money out of a fish's mouth and wipe off leprosy with his hands and speak and blindness sleep people. I saw him spit and make, I mean, it's just crazy. I seen him do a lot of stuff, but I've never seen him do this. Here's verse nine of Acts one. And when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, this same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come again in like manner as you saw him go. Everybody say the ascension. I've effectively been going to church for almost 41 years. And I've never sat in a service where somebody actually taught me about the ascension of Christ. And I'm probably not going to do a really good job of it today, but I want to share with you some things that the Holy Spirit has been sharing with me about the ascension, but really it's faith stuff. It seems like it's deep theological. It's never meant to be like deep theological things. If it doesn't work for my son in school, I don't even want to talk about it. Because some stuff we hear about in church, it's like preacher stuff. It's stuff that only Christians talk about with one another, but it doesn't work in Home Depot. Like it doesn't work at the park. But I want to talk to you about real stuff about faith. And the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus are absolutely foundational to what we believe. But part of that too is the ascension. Why do I talk about the ascension? Let me me just, I'm going to just Google this in front of you here. Define ascension. The act of rising to an important position or a higher level. 
Then he gives this, his ascension to the ranks of pop star. And then this is, this is just Google on my phone. The B definition or the B example. The ascent of Christ into heaven on the 40th day after resurrection. That word, that word is so profound that Google said, when you talk about that one, you have to put him in it. Why the ascension? Because for me, for 36 years of my life, I only learned about my fall. And you know what, Matthew? I learned about my fall in houses where they should have told me about my ascension. And we all know if you see somebody fall in life, it is way easier to tell them that's where you fail and that's how you fail. Because it doesn't require revelation to tell somebody how they missed it. But you know what's difficult? Trying to tell people how to get back up and go forward in life. Because they have mindsets that got to be broken off and shifting all the stuff. And so in church, we have become professionals at telling people where you missed it. We used to do church conferences where I grew up at. Everything revolved around telling people how bad they were. And we would shout and we would throw in babies and waving hankies. It's just it's, it's ludicrous. Why do we have need to understand the ascension of Jesus? Because if you understand this old quote, I make it all the time. In Adam's fall, we sin what? All. Literally, <laughs> is Adam walking with God, chilling, looking like me to rock, you know. He was walking like, where am I going? Adam just doing his thing. Can't nothing go wrong. Can't nothing go wrong. Can't nothing go wrong. Can't nothing go wrong. And when Adam disobeyed or when he did something Abba didn't want him to do, it wasn't the father pushing him off a proverbial cliff, as it were. It wasn't the father pushing him down into a downward spiral. Actually, the father had told him, everything in this garden is yours. You have control over it. Matter of fact, let me just use the, let me just use the number 1,000. There are 1,000 trees in this garden, and you can eat from all of them except for the one. I'm going to tell you the one not to eat, and I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't want to eat it. Does that sound like a good father to you? Yes. He's going to be telling him what to stay away from. Don't do this one thing. And one day when Abba's not there, not just Eve, Adam and Eve, you know, I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go check out that tree. And they hear a hissing voice. You know, the voice of the serpent. And they disobeyed or they did something that caused a separation from them and the Lord. Watch this. In their thinking. And that was the fall of man. You know what Abba told him? Why he told him not to do this? He said, in the day that you do this, you will surely what? Die. Did he physically die? There was a spiritual thing that happened there that day. And that's when the plan of redemption on earth, as it were, kicked into play. You know what? Two seconds after Adam ate the fruit, nothing shifted. Ten weeks after he ate the fruit, you wouldn't have sensed any shift. 
But something shifted. Something shifted. The proverbial fall of Adam. And why is this historic? Why is it tragic? Why do we talk about it all the time? Because we teach in church that inside of Adam was all human beings. And so when he tumbled, who else took the tumble? Every single person took the proverbial tumble. And so we learn about the fall. Most of our theology starts in Genesis 3 where Adam fell. And that's problematic too. Because Ephesians 1, Paul says this by way of revelation. He said, I saw before the foundations of the earth. (laughs) He said, you were already in Christ. Let me tell you something you never heard in church. Do you know who also was in Christ before the foundations of the earth? Say it out loud. Scared to say it because I can't believe you told us that. I feel like Paul. Behold, I show you a mystery that's been hidden from the foundations of the world until now. Adam didn't even know it, but he was in Christ. How can that be so? Because Paul said, we read it. He said, all things were made by him, through him, and for him. I think Adam will be considered all things. But in Adam was every human that made that downward spiral, and we call it the fall. Now, when Adam fell, what did he open a door to? Come on. What? What else? Shame. Somebody said blame. Sin. You can say sickness. All because fall. You said it. By the way, you know what the real enemy of humanity is? That's the, that's the, that's the thing we mostly fear. More than anything else, the reason everybody in this room, the reason you won't do something is because you're afraid of dying, just like I am. The reason you don't like a spider You know the reason I don't ride roller coasters? No, sir, buddy. I don't watch too much YouTube. Sorry. You know the reason I ain't skydiving? I watch too much YouTube on that, too. You know the reason I ain't bungee jumping? Because I'm smart. But anyway, just like, anyway. Like, my father-in-law was telling a story one time. He was, he was trying to convince his dad. He's like, dad, he's late, his late 70s. He's like, you want to go bungee jump? His dad was like, I can, I can talk identical to him. Identical, I'm not going to do it, but anyway, identical to him. And he says, you don't want to go bungee jumping? He's like, well, what is it? And he says, well, essentially, we tie this big rubber band around your ankle. You climb up several stories. This is amazing that you climb up this ladder like several stories, and there's either water, rocks, or something down there, and you jump straight toward the ground. It's going to be the time of your life. And his dad's like, are you stupid? You call that fun? But why was he really saying he didn't want to do it? Because there's a chance I could what? We don't do what we do because of the fear of death. But we read today that Jesus, through death, defeated him that had the power of death. So he could free those that, who, through their whole lifetime, were held in bondage because of the fear of. But if Jesus defeated death, and he defeated him that had the power of death, so you and I should no longer fear death. Then I say, what are you afraid of? I'm not telling you I'm masters. I'm just telling you this is what the truth of it is. 
Adam fell and he opened the door to a whole lot of stuff. And all this stuff ends up impacting the whole of the cosmos. And all of it happened because of a fall. But what was the father's not reaction? Because God has never reacted one day in his life because nothing has ever caught him off guard. What was the father's loving action? The loving action, John says, in the beginning was the logos. And the logos was with God. And the logos was God. Verse 2 says, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3 says, all things were made by the Logos. And without the Logos, there was nothing made that was made. And verse 4 says of John 1, and in this word was life. And his life was the light of all mankind. Skip down to around verse 10, and he says this. He says, and the word came into the world, and the world did not know him. In other words, the creator of the universe said, I'm going to become the thing I created and I'm going to step foot on the planet called earth that I myself made and I'm going to do life with them and for them and as them. And it said the Jews, the very ones that he came to be like, did not recognize him. Verse 14 said, and the word ultimately became what? Flesh. And John said, we saw him. We, we touched him. We got to smell him. We slipped beside him. We rode on boats with him. We saw what this man was like. What was he doing? He was healing sick people. He was curing people of leprosy. He was helping out poor people. He was paying taxes. I mean, he was doing all the stuff. He was turning over religious tables. He was literally changing how we viewed God. He changed our whole paradigm of what we thought God was like. Why would you do this? Paul would go on to write about Jesus and he called Jesus not the first Adam. He called him and not the second Adam, nor the third. Paul would go on to call Jesus what? The last Adam. Because if they would have been a second, then they could also be a third and they could also be a fourth. And watch this. For 33 years. The word of God, who was God himself, fully God, fully man, for 33 years lived on earth. And for three of those years, he did what we would call ministry. And for three years, the last Adam, the word of God, the logos, you know what he did? He found broken people and he loved on them. He did his best through teaching to teach them. You have been taught that God thinks like this, but let me show you how God really thinks. Yeah, they would say, yeah, but the scriptures say this. I know what your scriptures say, and they got a lot of stuff wrong in there about me. Your scriptures say I actually killed people. Matter of fact, your scriptures say I actually killed thousands of people if you want to read the Hebrew scriptures properly. But I am telling you, I am God. And if you wouldn't see Jesus killing people, stop saying his dad did because the son and the father have never been separated. This is the beauty of the Trinity. And he went around showing people what the father was really like to such a degree. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen who? The father, the father. And so the first human, the real first human that shows humanity what all humanity is supposed to be like, not armless, by the way. Jesus, I could have did a better job. He went from town to town causing righteous riots. I remember as Jesus is walking with the cross and he falls on one occasion. 
and the women come up to him. Are you okay? You know what he says? The scripture says Jesus said this on his fall. On his fall, he said, I'm making all things new. Why why, why do you got to do that? Because somebody plummeted you. But I'm pioneering something new. Because the first creation fell in the condemnation. But I'm about to bring justification to the whole cosmos now. Watch now. Watch gospel. Watch gospel. In the same way every human fell in Adam, Christ himself, including Adam, comes to do what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. He comes to make all things, not some things, he comes to make all things new. Paul says in Corinthians of Jesus, he says, if one man died for all, then he says this, then all died. How many died in Adam? All. But how many did Jesus die for? All. So he says, if one died for all, how many died? All. So the same way everybody died because of what Adam did, Jesus says, now I'm taking the weight of their fall in my own body and I'm going to consume it in death. Watch this. Your biggest enemy, Adam, because of your fall is now death because that's what Abba said would happen. And you've been trying to, since the days of Adam, we've had prophets, we've had priests, we've had kings, we've had judges, we've had sheiks, we've had wise men, we've had astrologers, we've got now doctors, we've got scientists, we've got health gurus, we've got celebrities, and we're all trying to do things to live longer. We're tucking and stretching and doing everything because we don't want to die. We don't want to get old because we're still afraid of death because of one man's fall. And the real reality is we've been educated and over-informed about all of our falling, but nobody has taken the time to tell us about the great ascension. And I'm telling you today that humanity is swimming in information, but we are starving for truth. Listen to what I'm telling you. Jesus Christ came and through death defeats death. But, But it looked dark for three days. Uh, man, should I read it? You know what Jesus Christ was doing for three days, right? You know that his body was laying in the tomb, but you do know that his spirit wasn't there. I just want to make sure you get that with me today. Ephesians chapter 4 says this of Jesus. Ephesians 4 and 7 says, 4 and 8 says, Therefore, when the scripture says, when he ascended on high, everybody say, he is Jesus. When Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now watch this, the next verse. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Before Jesus went up, he first went down. So in death, when he dies in a tomb, his body laid in the tomb. But Jesus for three days didn't take a rest in the grave as if he was tired. Every human being who had died before Christ and who had went to the lower parts of the earth, Christ went there. And for three days, man, I, I got I to gotta listen to that message when I get to heaven. I want to hear what he taught. He shared with those that were held captive before his death. And when he left, this is what Paul and Peter both said. He now leads captivity captive. What does it mean to be captive? A prisoner. Everybody that was a prisoner to death before Christ. Now Christ comes and said, now I'm making all y'all prisoners my prisoner. 
That's why Paul called himself the prisoner of the Lord. It's the one you want to be captive by. Come on, every spouse should understand that language. I am captivated by my wife's eyes and by her thinking. Where y'all think I was going? See, where's y'all? See, 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 I ain't saying nothing. But anyway, her eyes and her thinking and her personality. I got to get home. I got to get home a little bit. So, so watch this. Come on. Ben, you got to stay with me now. I got to help me preach, Ben. So, so before he ascended on high, Paul says he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. You know why? Because all of humanity had descended when Adam fell. And Jesus, our God, is not the kind of God to stand outside of the hole that we fell in and throw a rope in there and say, I'm going to pull you out. That's not what our God does. There are two things primarily, thank you, Dr. Baxter Kruger, that make the Christian God unique. First is the Trinity. No other known God in the universe comes close to the thought of Trinity. None. Secondly is this. He says the other thing that makes our God extremely unique, watch this, is the stooping of our God. What does that mean? The humility of God. Every man-made God, every other God other than Jesus Christ that you can find and talk to anybody about on the planet, none of them, none of them, zero, are humble. You all have to try to get right in their sight or else. Whether you're Muslim, you're washing your hands this many times a day and you got to bow in this direction this many times a day because if you're not clean here, you can't come this way. But our God is different. He doesn't wait for us to come to him. He says, I'm coming to you. But I love the way God did it. He didn't throw a rope down in the hole and say, if you can find a rope, maybe I'm strong enough to pull you out. He says, no, I am going to become like you. So Hebrews 2 says this, God didn't give aid to angels because angels didn't need it. But he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. In other words, all of humanity. And it says, like us, he partook of flesh and blood because he had to climb down into the same hole that we got ourselves into. And he became as we were. And for 33 and a half years, he felt every temptation that every human being would ever feel past, present, and future. And by the way, let me demystify some things. Don't you ever think that Jesus Christ wasn't tempted. He was tempted with fame. On one occasion, it said they would by force make him to be king after he fed the 5,000. And he went and hid himself so they couldn't do it. He was waking up dead people, folks. Speaking and money appearing in fishes' mouths. Right? His legs probably look better than Jason's. I mean, this man was God. Oh, have y'all heard about this single carpenter? Oh, he the miracle worker from Nazareth. He took over his daddy's business. You know, he owned a business. I ain't seen him walking with no ladies. This is Jesus. Oh, watch this. Ain't he in ministry? Y'all act like y'all. You got to read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. Wives of Jerusalem. But anyway. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might feel all things. And he himself 
gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and by the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we would grow up in all things in him who is the head, who is Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together, by whom every joint is supplied. Why is the ascension so powerful? It's only powerful if you understand first the depth of our fall. And not only the depth of our fall, the depth of our fall only measures to us the depth of our God's love. Because he said, I'm not going to simply stop where Adam fell. I'm going to go lower than where Adam fell. I'm going to go to the lower parts of the earth where the residue of the fall made it down there. But I'm going down there too. And everybody that was held captive before me, I'm going to make them my captive prisoners of my love. And the Bible says when he rose, he ascended on high and he now led captivity captive. So much so that the book of Hebrews says this. He's now leading the same many that fell. Watch this. He's now leading many sons back to glory and he came to the earth the writer said we just read this he came as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth but the scripture says this he went back to heaven as the firstborn among many brothers how would you feel if your kids left home to go play down the street and they came back several hours later with 8700 other kids say hey i got the family back is darla in here Dollar, you just gonna play for me. Do you know why this sentence is beautiful? You ready for this? Because we failed, we had the residue of everything Adam ever committed on us. But now, because of the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension, I don't just have the residue of what the last Adam did, who is Jesus. I have the full blown effects of it riving, riveting through every vein of my body. And so do you. And so do you. We say we all bore Adam's fall. I want to help us a little bit with our language. We better start saying now. Because of the union we have with Christ, we are all a part of the ascension. Paul said, I saw something. I saw Christ ascend to the heavens and sit down on the right hand of who? The Father. But by way of revelation, here's what we get today. When Jesus ascended, did he ascend by himself? You know what he tells Mary in the Gospels? Outside the tomb, Matthew? When she thought he was a gardener, is what he said. He said, Mary, she, she, she's, she's running to him and she's clinging to him. It's before he even ascended. He said, Mary, he said, don't cling to me. Don't hold me in this realm. Because I'm going to my God and to my Father. And if he would have stopped there, it would have still been good news. But then he says this. But I'm also going to your God and to your Father. And he said, go tell my disciples this good news. And she takes off running. And when Jesus ascended on high, the same way that all men fell in Adam, now, the same way that all men fell in Adam by his own performance, now Jesus says, I'm raising all up because of my one work of righteousness in all of humanity right now you don't even know this this is the gospel friend is seated on the right hand of God in the sun if you want to find God you don't got to look up 
don't got to look up. I am right now at 1801 South Kelly Avenue in Edmond, Oklahoma, 73103. That is my earthly condition right now. But my heavenly position, which is way more true than my earthly condition, is I am right now at the same time seated in Christ on the right hand of the Father. And I am a son in the Son. And if you could have been in the shadow of Adam's fall, there was shame, there was guilt, there was fear of rejection, there was fear of death. All of that was true in Adam's fall. But let me tell you what is not present on the right hand of the Father. No shame, no guilt, no fear of death, no fear of rejection. Yeah, but I did this. Yeah, but I did that. Yeah, but I did this. Hang around Jesus long enough and Jesus won't tell you you didn't do it. He'll just say, that's already been dealt with. I'm waiting on you to catch up to it. And the moment you say a prayer is not the moment you get forgiven. That happened before the foundations of the earth. The moment you say a prayer is the moment you woke up to the fact that you had already been forgiven and you were already ascended in the sun. So right now I'm seated in the sun. That's the beauty of the gospel, friend. Come on, stand to your feet with me. Ah, it's the beauty of the gospel. Seems too good to be true, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's gospel. That's gospel. Adam's fall was completely and utterly undone by the ascension or the uprising of the last Adam. Now the fall of Adam is not worthy to be compared with the ascension of Christ. The sin of Adam in his fall has been undone by the ascension of Christ to the right hand of Abba. No more hiding behind trees or jobs or titles or labels or accomplishments or accolades or fears or shame. That's all what Adam did. Now I can sit in a posture of rest, fully exposed to the face of Abba through the sun. And hear Jesus saying, you are worthy of this. And I did this for you. Because of the cross of Christ and the empty tomb, humanity is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And we sing. Everybody say Trinity. Say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Say humans. I try to draw a square box right on our chest. Watch this. Here's the dilemma, but the Father did it. The Son says, I'll go down with the Trinity. See the triangle moving? I'll go down. Watch this. And I'll rescue humanity. 
But when I come back up, Dad, I'm bringing the humans with me. You see this? You see this? See the square? I'm bringing them with me. So watch this. So it's Father, Holy Spirit. Watch this. It's the Son, but He brought us with Him. This, this reality is so real to me that you understand that right now, there is a literal human being in the Trinity through the Son. You see it? I don't know where you live, but I can tell you where you seat and where you're seated. I've gone way too long today. If you're in this room, man, and you have never just really just yielded to who the beauty of Christ is and what he's done for you. You want to know what forgiveness of sins looks like? It's amazing. You want to know what it feels like? It's amazing. You want to know what the removal of shame, guilt? We talked about this today. The removal of, I call it a orphan mentality where you're always working, trying to get something because we don't know who we are and what has been done for us. That is only done by seeing Jesus as he was meant to be seen. If you've never heard of the ascension, man, I didn't just too very, very recently. Don't feel bad about that. But I can tell you what, the revelation of it, the reality of it is changing me from the inside out. If you're in this room and you've never yielded your life to Christ or maybe you feel like, you know what, I did that one time, man. I feel like I'm so distant. I would love to pray for you. I want to ask one thing from you. If that's you, I just want to count to three. I just want to see you just say, hey, man, that's me. I would love for you to pray for me, Josh. I, I receive that. One, two, three. Anybody at all? Because, man, this really is for us as the body of Christ. I know we talk about Christ coming all the time here, who he is and what he's done. But I recognize we have people that come that maybe they've not heard that truth. Here's what I want you to do. If you're in the room with me today, would you just pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, help us to see you as you are so that we can see the Trinity as you are. Remove my veil. Change my lens. Let me see me as I see you. It may be difficult. Sometimes I'm stubborn. But I need your help. And I welcome it. Let your grace and your forgiveness ever wash through me. I'm seated in heavenly places on the right hand of my Father. And that'll never change. I did fall. But it was only for a moment. But now I live fully ascended. And that will be for my life. In Jesus' name. One more time.
confessed and I say we believe this truth. In your name, amen. Come on, you're grateful for the gospel this morning. Won't you give Jesus a shout? He's good. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.